just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast, and this is a red-letter day. We're going to do something we haven't done in 232 shows, and that is have a guest. I've never had a guest. I've never had a co-host, and it's not because I didn't want one. It's not because I didn't want one at all. It was because it was hard to find somebody who had the courage to be, be, be able to speak up. Everybody else has jobs. They're not lazy fucks like me, so... <laughs> so they they were afraid of what they were going to say. And, you know, I say some shit. Um, and the other thing is having somebody as available as I am. I'm talking on the Rational Boomer podcast every freaking day. So uh, to get somebody to commit to that, that is difficult. That said, we do have a, uh, a, a host, a guest host, host, whatever you want to call it here today. It's a gentleman by the name of Ed Jones. Now, you may not know Ed Jones. Probably chances are good you don't. You didn't know me. Um, but I've known Ed for many, many years. We've worked together on the air for many, many years. Uh, we have a good rapport. He is the epitome of a rational boomer, rare as we may or may not be. So I wanted to bring Ed on the show, and, and we're going to talk a bit. And I think you'll get, uh, get a kick out of the conversation between the two of us and his thoughts and ideas and such. So, Ed, welcome. Uh, thank you for joining us on the Rational Boomer podcast. I've been looking forward to it for a good long time, Mike. I'm uh, here in my bunker in deep red uh, East Tennessee. I kind of hiding out here. I'm on the low, the down low, if you will. Uh, one of the few liberals around, although is, there is a fairly strong liberal underground even here. Do they treat you fairly well in spite of your uh, limitations as a liberal? Well, Yes and no. Uh, because I grew up here, I was uh, probably 25 when I left. Now, I uh, spent three years in the Army during that time and four years in college, where I was home like, you know, a couple times a month, that kind of thing. Um, but by and large, I left for good about 75. And then I returned here uh, about three years ago. Uh, after I retired from uh, the radio station where we both worked. Right. And uh, uh, I've been here ever since. Uh, some of the folks that I grew up with treat me just fine. Some of them are even closet liberals. Uh, <laughs> others, uh, there's kind of a little bit of, uh, there's a little bit of a, a threatening underground here. I'll, I'll get into that a little bit later on. But uh, I think you'll find that pretty much everywhere these days. Uh uh, especially outside the cities. I mean, Bob Dylan even said about Minnesota, where you are, once you get outside of the Twin Cities, you might as well be in fucking Kentucky. <laughs> well, let, let, let's explain how you and I got together. I'm from Minnesota. I was born and raised here. I ended up working at a radio station that I had some history with when I was getting my training in high school. But you ended up at the same radio station. How did that occur? I saw an ad in the paper and I went for it. <laughs> you know, the uh, I just I saw an ad. I was working the mornings at a suburban station, and uh, I, like in most of radio, I was making a tremendous amount of money. But uh, I figured, well, I'll let, you know maybe this will be better. So I went ahead and answered the ad, and uh, I eventually uh, was hired at the station to do a bluegrass show on Saturday morning and. A, Oak show on you know, Sunday evening. Then the Gorbachev came to town on a Sunday evening, and you were on handling the traffic. And yeah. we started talking back and forth. And the next Monday, that's the next day, I got a call from the station manager who said, We did so well together that I want to be the news director. And I said, Heck yeah. <laughs> so, so, so essentially, I'm responsible for making you the star you are today. That's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have to understand, you know, when, when Ed came on the show, I was doing traffic. We had a contract with the Department of Transportation. They needed somebody doing traffic. And at that point, I was on the air more than anybody. I was on every 10 minutes in the morning and then the afternoon. We also had a host and we had a news uh, newscaster, a news director in Ed Jones. And we always had some kind of rapport on the air. 
And as, as good as it sounded, and as much as the audience liked it, our fucking suit did not like it, did they? No, not so much. But uh, we uh, persevered. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice way of saying we fucking did it anyway. Yeah. What were they going to do? Fire us? Well, they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they sure tried to run us out, though. Um, well, Ed, you're from Tennessee. You spent a long time in Minnesota. You and I spent a long time on the air, and, and uh, that was probably some of my most pleasant times at that radio station. There's a lot of pleasant times, but there's some unpleasantness, too, with the whole thing. But at least being able to be on the air with somebody of a like mind and, 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 and uh, like ability and I don't mean likable, I meant like talent on the air that we could kind of bounce off one another. Uh, that was a pleasant memory. Now, you are a, you're a far more, you're probably more liberal than I am. I, uh, yeah, and there's no liberal like a Southern liberal because we have so far to come. <laughs> yeah, no shit. And you've got to really fight to stay alive down there. That's pretty much it. And I think it's getting, uh, let me give you a little anecdote here to show you what goes on here. All right. All right. Now, uh, last summer, a friend of mine, um, who's a storyteller and collects stories and so forth, decided that it might be a good idea to collect some of the stories from the black community. So she put out some feelers. Good idea. And uh, some folks said, well, yeah, we'd like that. Why don't we have a meeting to talk about it? And she said, well, where? And they said, well, there's this church. And uh, she said, okay, that'll be great. Then she realized it was kind of small. So she said, this weather's nice. Let's have it outside. I'll call the park and make sure I don't need a permit. So she called the, the park board and asked if she needed a permit. They said, no, no, just, you know, you can use the, that part of the park all you want to. But somehow or other, the word got out that Black Lives Matter was coming to town to desecrate the war memorial. Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. I don't know how that happened. But uh, um, anyway, 300 bikers showed up in town that <laughs> evening, some of them with sidearms uh, to protect the war memorial, which is uh, on the courthouse grounds, got a flag and the names of those of Hawkins County who have perished in various wars and an eternal flame. So they, they came in, milled around for a while, yelled some inward things at some black people who drove by. And they weren't attacking much, the memorial. They weren't no. attacking the memorial. They just driving by. Yeah, this was, and they chased some people away from the end because they had out of town license plates. So <laughs> it, it was a general cluster, if you know what I mean. Do you, do you think well, they didn't uh, want to do the stories because they were afraid it would turn everybody black? I, I have no, I don't even think they knew anything about that. It just got corrupted oh. that some black people were going to have a meeting in a park and then it took off from there. Right? We don't want those people getting together. You know what happens then. Exactly. So, uh, well, there's a group called the New Panther Initiative at uh, the college where I went, East Tennessee State University. It's just a small group of students that, uh, they heard about this, so they decided to actually have a demonstration, and they called and said, we're coming to town next Saturday, we're just going to do an informational uh, protest in front of that war memorial. So here comes the bikers again, and, and every law enforcement person, uh, you know, for miles around, they called in and everything, and they basically divided the streets so that the protesters should be on one side. There were only about 12 of them and about 400 other people who came and there was a lot of shouting and all of this, but eventually it kind of calmed down. There was actually a little bit of dialogue, but, uh, they were talking uh, amongst each other. Yeah. You know, That's amazing. A little bit, a little bit of dialogue happened. Now here's the good part. Now, along with, the bikers that showed up the second time were a bunch of Nazis. I mean, American <laughs> Nazi party. Well, you have a great Guys. little community there, don't you? <laughs> yes. Something for everybody. <laughs> so wow. they're standing up on the wall, war memorial, giving Nazi salutes. And uh, one, one of the local liberals went over to the leader of the bikers said, you know, we fought the Nazis in world war two. These guys are desecrating the memorial. So the bikers beat up the Nazis and chased them out of town. <laughs> they don't even know who they're fighting. Jesus Christ. No. So a, a good time was had by all. And then then um, we, uh, we did have that meeting in the park the next week. And uh, uh, some black folks came, some white folks came. And 
we talked and had a good time and we were going to keep going. But then, then the pandemic came and it kind of all got put off to the back burner for now, but we'll see what happens. So the pandemic helped to, uh, to uh, simmer down the, the, the racism. Isn't that ironic? <laughs> yeah, it defused the situation. What's really ironic is East Tennessee and Rogersville in particular, uh, they did have slaves, but they didn't have field slaves. They were uh, uh, the house servants in the, the rich people's houses. Okay. And uh, so there were very few of them, you know, very almost nobody in East Tennessee owned slaves. And they actually voted. The local vote was, I think it was 1285 to 814 to stay in the union. Really? Really. So wow. the, the Confederate Confederates had to put troops in here. Uh, and occupy because East Tennessee didn't uh, didn't want to uh, secede. Uh, the rest of the state really didn't because they were the last one out, the first one back in. It's kind of like they left the lights on, you know. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> ah, know, the toaster's yeah. on. I got to get back there. <laughs> exactly, you know. But uh, um, but that doesn't mean that people. When I was growing up, I mean, there were no black people working in the stores. They couldn't eat in the restaurants, anything like that. From my front porch, I can see this uh, outline in the park. It's a concrete rectangle, and it's the top of the old swimming pool. They closed in 1963, so they didn't let have, have to let black people swim in. <laughs> because of the civil rights movement. The civil right. rights movement now, comes in. Now we got to let them in, so we'll just shut the damn thing down. Exactly. And they did that all through the South and they leave, they left the top, you know, to remind people why they did it. Now everybody's forgotten that. And, you know, 15 years later, they built a new city pool and everybody was welcome. So, sure. Well, you know, that's the thing I tell people, I tell my, my younger people and my, my kids and such, you know, for a while there before Donald Trump, uh, racism was kind of pushed down. And I think a lot of white folks thought, Oh, it's getting better. But yeah. people don't realize that the hardcore racism and the uh, segregation and the, the separate water fountains and pools and things like that don't go that far back. We're talking the 60s. You and I were both alive in the 60s, and that's not that long ago to have some serious trouble. I just saw, well, I saw the movie and the documentary about uh, the Loving case. Uh, I think yes. it was in Virginia or something, or a black or a black woman married a white guy Literally, and they had all sure. kinds of trouble. Yeah interracial uh, marriage yeah it it was illegal until that point yeah exactly until they went to the supreme court and 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 i think people think racism and segregation and all that stuff was ancient history well we're old but it's not exactly ancient when we're talking 50 60 years ago that black folks or people of color weren't afforded a lot of the things that white people had. And it was because white people were oppressing them and keeping it from them. Exactly. And there's no way to say that any other way. I mean, that's exactly what happened. And people can try to apologize for it any way they want to or make up that it didn't happen, but it did. And we all know it. And, uh, you know, and it's not just in the South. I mean, there's a reason that most of the black people in Minneapolis lived in North Minneapolis. Right. Right. Uh, There was a reason why. Yeah. There was a reason why uh, the black community of Rondo was destroyed when they put the the interstate through. Uh, They put it through the black part of town and destroyed. uh, It was a you've probably heard of the. the Tulsa massacre. Well, it, it was a different way of doing it, but it achieved the same thing. It wiped out the black businesses. Yeah, that was putting a, a road through them. That was an interesting case because nobody heard about it. You could have gone into Tulsa and said, what mm-hmm. about this Tulsa massacre? And people in the town didn't even know about it until it recently came to light and people brought it back to the, the top. But essentially, uh, the white people of that town were triggered by some minor thing and it ended up wiping out an area that was pretty affluent with the black community, uh, destroyed everything, stole all their money and left them high and dry. And they never received any kind of justice out of that shit at all. Not at all. And it's just recently, uh, I don't know if you uh, watched the uh, streaming show Watchmen. It was on, I believe Netflix. It was I don't think I've seen that yet. Services. No. Well, well, it starts off with that, 
particular, it's, it's a superhero thing, but it starts off with the Tulsa massacre. Uh, so it, it does watchmen look for that and uh, you might want to check it out. I will definitely check it out. I love that historical stuff. Now you and I are on the same wavelength and uh, as we are with most of the listeners on the rational boomer podcast, um, I've always said that I'm not as much liberal as I'm against the Republicans. And <laughs> I wouldn't say I used to be as against the Republicans as I am or more than the Democrats until the until the appearance of Donald Trump. And then all of a sudden I saw, well, we have a fucking fire going on and we've got to put that out and whatever it takes. I mean, if the worst possible candidate came along but happened to be somebody other than Donald Trump, I would probably voted for them just to get Donald Trump up. I mean, this guy's a scourge. He is a danger to this country. And the fact that he got in is is problematic. And we had to do anything we can to get rid of him. And if it means sidling up with the most liberal of Democrats, I'm in, man, because we've got to put out the fire first and then worry about the other problems. Well, you know, when I was a kid, see, I'm from a Republican family. Um, my, my grandfather was the guy who... Uh, just before the election, a limo would come to his house and drop off a suitcase full of money, <laughs> and uh, he would buy votes for the Republicans. Oh, my really? grandmother always said, "My grandmother always said, why 'Won't you just keep the money? Nobody'd know.'" <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he, uh, it, now he did it. He did his bit, and uh, so I was, you know, a strong Republican growing up. I hated the Democrats. See, see, my family lived in the black part of town here. All of yeah. my neighbors were black people, so I knew everything they said about black people was a lie. And uh, back then, the Dixiecrats, the Democrats, right. were the racists. Right, right. We've kind of swept, uh, switched uh, uh, roles here with the Democrats and the Republicans. Yeah, well, when uh, when Lyndon Johnson, you know, and Hubert Humphrey uh, brought in civil rights, got everything through. Then the Republicans said, hey, we got an opportunity here. Y'all come on over to our side. So they welcomed all the racists to come over, and <laughs> they did. They left the Democratic Party and went and became Republicans. That, that's the truth, folks. And uh, all you have to do is check it out. And you'll see, we're not lying to you. Well, well that's, when, that's why when all these Trumplifucks, that's my name for them, Trumplifucks, uh, <laughs> keep, say, keep saying, well, Abraham Lincoln was a Republican. Yes, he was, but that's a far mm -hmm. different thing. The fact is, as far as I'm concerned, the Republican Party no longer exists. No legitimate party any or exists any longer. It's just a fucking sect. It's a it's a cult, whatever it is, but it's not a legitimate political party in this country. Yeah, and they're so fragmented. I think I think the you've got your Mitch McConnell's, right? these old style guys who yeah. uh, they like the federal government because they know how to manipulate it. Right. The rest of these guys, you know, your Steve Bannons and then the, your uh, in the various States, they would love to destroy the federal government and everything except national defense. They like that, of course, right. Right. but everything else they want gone. And they don't want the federal government to be able to come into South Carolina, Alabama, Georgia, Idaho, wherever, and tell them what to do. They want to be able to be racist as much as they can. They want to destroy the federal government, take the power away, and have their own little fiefdom in each state, just kind of like it was before uh, we uh, unified into a country. It came up with a constitution that they find very inconvenient. Yeah, well, until they find it convenient, they'll take something like the Second Amendment and they'll misinterpret it because, frankly, they are fucking misinterpreting it. If you can read it, it doesn't say what they suggest it says. Talks about well, a well regulated give everybody a gun. Give yeah. everybody a gun. We'll shoot every. And I'm not against guns, but it does stipulate a regulated militia and a bunch of guys with with with, with beer guts and a bad attitude don't constitute a fucking well-regulated militia. It just doesn't do it. No, it doesn't. I mean, uh, many legal scholars would say flat out, this is a misinterpretation. And uh, it, But I'm afraid it's not going to be addressed. Uh, 
No. I don't see how it can be. If, if shooting down a, a room full of kids doesn't affect you uh, to want to regulate guns, there's something so bad wrong with you that I can't possibly deal with you. Well, the, the, the and, governor, governor of California, Gavin Newsom, came up with something. And I was talking about this before. You know, turnabout is fair play. If Texas and these other places could put together these half-assed state laws that try to undermine abortion, then why can't a state like California do the same things with uh, gun rights? I mean, theoretically, they should be able to do the same thing. And then, of course, these uh, Second Amendment people will be screaming like stuck pigs because we can do it to you, but you can't do it to us. And if you do it to us, then all of a sudden they play fucking victim and say, you're a bully. You can't do that. You're taking away our rights. Exactly. Well, well, here in deep red Tennessee, um, we will soon have, if we don't already, uh, it's in momentarily, uh, have absolute, anybody can carry no permit needed, no training needed. Um, you know, of course, the law enforcement is very much against this, but uh, law enforcement is very much against it. Every right-thinking person is very much against it, but uh, the legislature just passed. And, the, oh, and the governor signed it. That's right. He signed it. Guess where he signed it? Where? At a gun, gun manufacturer. <laughs> let, let me ask you something. I, I get this a lot. You know, amongst Democrats, there are the fatalists. Oh, nothing's ever going to happen to any of these guys. Nobody's going to pay a price. Come the midterm elections, the Republicans are going to win because that's what's always happened in history. I always argue with these folks and I get irritated, even though they may be my followers, because I think anytime you go into anything, you can't assume you're going to lose. You've got to assume you're going to win. But 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 my opinion and see what you think about this is it's one thing to gauge something and predict something happening based on history. But it's my contention what's going on right now has never fucking happened in history. It's never been this blatant. It's never been this troublesome. To so to try to compare it to history is an impossibility. I don't personally think that the Republicans are going to do all that well in the midterms, mainly because the Democrats are doing a good job of letting this information seep out slowly but surely, knowing people have short memories and they're going to keep pounding on this with information and, and, and evidence and, and, and indictments or whatever they come up with between now and November 22nd uh, or November, uh, whatever it is, on 2022. What do you think about that? I agree with you 100 percent. Number one, the other shoe is yet to drop. I think the right. DOJ, the Department of Justice, Merrick Garland is building a, a really strong case and he's doing the same thing he did against Timothy McVeigh. No leaks until the hammer falls. Right. So I think you're going to see that happen. The other thing is the Republicans keep shooting themselves in the foot. I don't know if you noticed, but yesterday they had the <laughs> vote to reduce um, the cost of insulin from $300 right. to $35. Every Republican voted against the 12. 12 did not. Right, right. 12 voted for that. 193 of them voted to keep that price up there, you know? So, uh, I mean, there's the diabetics alone should tip the balance based on that. Yeah. You, know? you can't, you can't, they'll, they'll go back and lie, but you know you, how you they are, like they do with the infrastructure. You can't tell me there ain't a bunch of, uh, uh, overweight beard drinking pork eating motherfuckers down in the South that are happen to be Trumplicans that, uh, have a little diabetes here and there. It's gotta be, uh, rampant in the South as much as it is in the North. Oh, you go to the barbecue place, man. They've got the <laughs> IVs hanging on them. You know? <laughs> Bring me more barbecue and the insulin. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I'll, I'll take a hit of metformin. And, and I'll say I have type 2 diabetes, and I don't, I don't take insulin. I take metformin. It's not that out of right. control. But I do know people that have to take insulin, and it's a ridiculous amount of money. I mean, it's un unimaginable to me that in this country, uh, with all the things we should be afforded by the taxes we pay, that there are people having to decide whether to eat or get something that's going to save their lives. That's absolutely ridiculous. It's it, it said, I think it said in the Constitution, 
or maybe it's just a unwritten rule that government's first law, first job is to protect its citizens. Now, immediately they think of military and police and fire and all that stuff. A lot of people are dying of sickness. I would think that falls in that category too. Absolutely. And especially, you know, talk about insult to injury. The, the, the people that came up with insulin didn't patent it. They let it, Right. they wanted it to be free to everybody. And it was for many years. But then the drug companies hit on this idea. Well, we'll improve it and right. then we'll get a patent on it, right. which is exactly what they did. And then they stopped making the basic product and only make their improvement, which is why they can get away with charging these outlandish prices. They just don't make the one that people used for years and years and years and years. And if somebody came in and said, you know, I'm going to be a good guy, I'm going to make it and I'm just going to charge people whatever it costs to manufacture it. Those mm-hmm. that, those fuckers would be hammered and pushed out so fast. Yeah, I mean, if, if I were king, and that probably isn't going to happen, but if I were, I would make the CDC and the, the National Institutes of Health and that sort of thing, I would give them the power to do exactly that. I mean, if somebody comes up with medicine, and, and quite frankly, the government kicks in a lot for most medications right, uh, right. To, to the drug companies, but if they come up with something, give them a few years to make profit on it, and then make the generic. Let the government do it and give it away free. All right, Ed, we're going to take a quick break here. All right, we are back. And I have with me Ed Jones, a former radio colleague for many years and uh, uh, rational boomer in his own right. You know why I call it the rational boomer, Ed? People, a lot of people well, say, go ahead. Well, we're, we're both boomers. I'm 49. You're somewhere in the 50s, right? <laughs> I mean, I was born at 49, I'm right. way older than that. <laughs> I, was, I was born in 60, and I'm going to be 62 here in a couple of weeks. Uh, no, but, you know, I kept hearing all these millennials and all these people saying, oh, boomers are fucking assholes, they're this, they're this. And, and when I walk down the street, or you walk down the street, people look at our age, and inevitably they will say, oh, there's a boomer, Trump humper, racist, misogynist, anti-Semite. But when they meet us, they they uh, they they realize that that's not true. And I'm sure in a lot of their minds, they think, well, here's a fucking unicorn. Here's a boomer that isn't a bad guy or doesn't think all these horrible things. But when I started doing the rational boomer thing on TikTok and then now on the podcast, I found that there's a lot of people like us, but we're older. We're not so much tied into technology, so we don't have any power. So I thought if I could do something on TikTok and the podcast and bring these boomers together as a lump sum of people, maybe just maybe at some point we'd have a little power, maybe a louder voice, because not all boomers are the same any more than all black people, all Jewish people, all women, whatever are the same. So that's why we've done it. And some people will come to me and say, oh, you're the rational boomer. No, I'm a rational boomer. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of us. And uh, uh, people forget, number one, that Bill Clinton was the first boomer president. That's right. Uh, That's so, right. So the, the, the World War II generation lasted a lot longer than most people think. And uh, they may have been the greatest generation in a lot of ways. But once the war was over, they were the ones who kept the racist stuff going. You know, it Absolutely. was us. It was the boomers who turned against the war in Vietnam, ended it, ended the draft and kicked in with all the minorities to create civil rights. Now, Lyndon Johnson and uh, um, the other Democrats, uh, Hubert Humphrey, big props to Hubert. uh, These were the guys who got it through, but we were the ones voting for them. We were the ones who were out there with Eugene McCarthy against the war. We were the marchers. We were the one getting uh, hit uh, by uh, clubs and so forth by the cops. But we did it. So we did a lot. Anything that's progressive began with the boomers, and we were reacting against what were the 50s. You know, it was like, right. bye bye, Elvis, here's the Beatles. <laughs> right. And I, I think I think a lot of people uh, either don't remember it because they're too young or don't recall it. You know, I've, I've talked to a lot of younger people, and they say, this is the worst times ever. I can't believe the chaos and the violence and all this stuff. How can you be positive that we're going to get through this? 
I always tell them because we did it before. What do you mean? Yeah. I said the sixties were worse than this right now. Believe it or not, it was worse. We had war, we had civil rights riots, we had war riots, we had college kids being killed on campuses. We had four major assassinations. We had all kinds of shit. The 60s were chaotic, but I was born in 60, so I didn't know any better. I didn't realize how bad it is. But then in comparison to what we have today, it does seem bad. But to think we can't find our way clear through this, I I disagree because we've already done it at least once. Yeah, I will say that one thing that we didn't do was concentrate on economics enough because we let the oligarchs take over. We let corporations become supreme. We let, after we ended the draft and all of that, we decided, hey, well, maybe we should settle down. And we joined the corporate culture and did all of that and, and helped that advance. So we have some things that we need to own up to as well, because really that's to me, that's the big problem we have, and that is the corporations own the country. They, they own the media. They own the politicians. And we're going to have to find Teddy Roosevelt's big stick and break up some corporations here if we're going to go uh, where we need to go. Well, I think you're right. I th- You know, as you said, during the 60s, it was the boomers who helped to stop the war, who helped to get civil rights, women's rights, and, and all that happened in the 60s. But I think a large number of the boomers sold out. They realized, okay, I've got a family, I've got kids, I need to get a job. And then they became ensconced in, in, in corporate America. And then they bought into their uh, eliteness of being in the corporate America. They started winning, they started making money, and then it just got away from them. They got drunk with power and they've just gone with it. So that's why we have all these wealthy people and all these corporations running everything. I, I've told this story on the podcast before. Um, remember when they were going to uh, try to pass Build Back Better? Yes. And of course, all the Republicans said, oh, we can't afford that. Never mind. They gave $2 trillion to rich people for fucking nothing. They gave $800 billion to the Defense Department, which we didn't need to do. But somehow, when they give it to us, they can't afford it. And then the Democrats, yeah, then the Democrats come out and they say, this is a transformational bill. Nothing like this has happened in 80 years. And I go, wait a fucking minute. We elect you to office. We pay you to serve us, both Democrats and Republicans. Are you telling me you haven't done fuck all for us in 80 years? And I'm talking about Republicans and Democrats. That just is an illustration of what our government is and isn't doing. And what it isn't doing is its fucking job by tending to our needs. We've seen how well it does for the economy when you do that, but still they want to fight against it. We have to do a big reassessment, but what it comes down to is there are two kinds of people in this country right now. The kinds of people who think corporations are okay and those of us who know that they are the great Satan (laughs) to cop a phrase from the 60s or really actually the 70s but uh, that's where the problem lies when you have that much concentrated wealth in corporations hedge funds and so forth they can do whatever they want because there are very few people who can resist that kind of temptation and uh, you'll find it on both sides of the aisle, I'm afraid. Yeah, you do. And, and you know, the thing is, corporations don't have to be the great Satan as long as they're made to follow some rules, as long as they're made to pay equal amounts of taxes. I mean, this whole thing that Joe Biden's come out with, with forcing billionaires and hundred millionaires to pay 20% of their taxes Everybody's looking at that from the rich. I go, oh, my God, we can't do that. We can't fucking do that. But you and I pay more than 20% in our taxes. And we're not making that much money in comparison. So the idea of get them to pay their money, that's not crazy at all. I mean, let's be honest. You and I were alive when Ronald Reagan came into office in 1980. And he told us about the wonders of trickle-down fucking theory. And in those in those uh, 60 years or 40, 60 years, 
40 years since that time. It hasn't worked fucking once. And why did nobody stand up? And I'm sure some people did. We just didn't hear them uh, say, hey, we've been here before because the guy first guy who talked about trickle down was the uh, was in the Hoover administration right before the crash. Right. And uh, just one more history lesson here. Uh, Corporations were banned by founding fathers because they had seen what uh, the Virginia Company and the East India Company uh, that had a bigger army than the British Empire, for example, they saw what evil corporations could could bring along. So they banned them except for limited time and limited scope, like they would allow a corporation to build a railroad or a canal or something like that. But it had to sunset within 15, I believe it was 15 years but uh, they weren't allowed uh, until about uh, the late 1800s is when they started to come back, uh, when they started to be uh, released, so to speak. And uh, if it hadn't been for the Depression, they probably would have just kept right on going. You know? But the big crash gave Roosevelt the chance to go in and uh, uh, make some changes that basically created what we call the middle class. Right, it right. didn't exist before that, you know, no. except, uh, um, you know, some merchants and so forth, I guess you could say, were middle class to a certain extent. But everybody else pretty much passed. Well, the thing, the thing about it is, is, is that um, Joe, but what Joe Biden is trying to do is trying to build up the middle class, which it needs because it's fading away. And I liken rich people when it comes to the middle class of being like the dog. You know, you got a dog, you pour some food in his dish, he'll eat it. You pour some more food in his dish, he'll eat it. And he'll keep eating that food till the motherfucker explodes. And then what do you got? You lose. And I think the same thing could be said for the rich people. They keep taking our money, taking our money. Eventually, the money's going to be gone and they've got nobody to feed off of. So now they've fucked themselves as well as the middle class. They're not smart enough to have foresight to see what it is they're doing, and they're killing their golden calf. Well, I have to laugh when Republicans talk about China. Oh, China's stealing our jobs. They're stealing our jobs. Mexico's stealing our jobs. No country ever stole a job. The people that have the jobs sent them to China, sent them to Mexico because it was cheaper, and it was on purpose, and they knew it. In the 70s, you can see when they flipped the switch on the steel industry and so forth. They went over, they built the infrastructure, they came home, they turned it off here, turned it on there. And that was all on purpose. Well, and, and the thing about it is that whole thing has changed now with this uh, great resignation. And I think it's a wonderful thing for the people of this country. Now there aren't enough people to fill the jobs that are available. And now the leverage and the cloud is on the side of the employee. For years and years, we went through it. You're lucky to have a job. You're going to take what I fucking give you, and you're going to deal with the shit I'm going to throw at you. Well, that's no longer the case. I told my son, who's 28, who's kind of starting in his direction, whatever that may be, so this is an opportunity you don't want to miss. Now you can write your own ticket. You can make your own demands, and you can do things that maybe you couldn't do before, so take advantage of it. Um, so this idea of people stealing jobs, well, let's fill the fucking jobs that are wide open now. Four million people a month fucking quitting. And I have a theory on that. What's your theory on why we have a great, great resignation? Part of it is, I think, that, that people have found that they can, they can turn their, uh, their side gigs into something more profitable than their nine to five, um, for one thing. Absolutely. Um, and the, the other thing is they realize that they have a bargaining position, that labor is a commodity that can also be uh, bargained for. You want my labor? You've got to give me what I want. Right. It was a funny thing, you know, when everybody was screaming about the $15 an hour uh, wage uh, where where they were going to demand every, and then everybody said, no, we can't do that. We'll never be able to afford anything. We'll have to charge people too much money. That won't work. And then they always said, why don't we let the free market handle it? Well, motherfucker, the free market is handling it now. And guess what? You have to pay more than $15 an hour because you didn't have enough foresight to see to treat your fucking people well. 
Well, exactly. And all you have to do is look at uh, uh, productivity. But if you look at productivity alone, the minimum wage should be closer to 30 bucks an hour. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> I remember when I was a kid starting working, I was getting two bucks an hour. And uh, that was enough money to buy beer and potato chips, which is all I needed yeah. to buy. But yeah. to suggest people can live on $15 an hour. I mean, frankly, that's not enough money to survive. It's just not. You can't rent an apartment. An apartment in this town right now, one bedroom apartment is going to cost you 1200 bucks a month. You and the thing is, that. here here in this backwater, it ain't that much cheaper. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's all across. It's everywhere. Yeah, it's 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 absolutely ridiculous. And over all these years since you and I have been alive, it's been the wealthy just throwing a con game at the United States citizens and the citizens being too dumb or thinking they're too powerless to fucking do anything. It's been a con game. Yeah, trickle down will work and then it doesn't work. They say, yeah, but we figured it out. Now trickle down will work. And the one thing that I've been most disappointed about in the last five years with the uh, with the appearance of Donald Trump was finding out just how many fucking stupid people there are in this country. It is truly amazing. The ignorance Appalling. of people. <laughs> well, <laughs> Let I me read ask. a statistic the other day that said 25 percent of people never read another book after high school. Yeah, I believe and that. Fifty-eight percent don't read one after college. So, <laughs> you know, they're they're watching TV or streaming or they're on Facebook or whatever, but they're not getting access to real information. You know, I mean, all of these people. I had a woman the other day talking about doing her research, and I I told her, you don't do research. You scour the internet looking for somebody to agree with you. That's exactly. not research. Well, exactly. And let me see what you think about that as a longtime member of the media, as I am. Um, I say the media is the one of the biggest culprits in getting Donald Trump elected. Absolutely. And the media is one of the biggest culprits in the division in this country. Well, I, you know, the media created Donald Trump. They took this failure and they, they put him on a TV show that was completely rigged. And it made him look like some sort of tycoon, some kind of strong man, some kind of genius. And it was all fiction. You know, I mean, it was just like Friends or Big Bang Theory. He was playing a character. But uh, and then he was on TV every night. Right. You know, they hit Hillary once in a while. But Trump was on there day and night all the time, 24 hours. Even the left side media. They saw he was a shit show and he meant ratings. So they took a guy who didn't have a real chance of winning the presidency. They put him on TV every day. They woke up the fucking dumb people of this country and they gave him legitimacy by putting him on TV every day. And that's how he ended up being president. Exactly. And uh, two words, Mike, corporate media. Yeah, exactly. Well, here's the other thing about the media. One of the reasons we have division, I believe, is that nobody has the same fucking information. Now, you've got the people that watch Fox, OAN, Newsmax and the such, and they'll spew all this conspiracy theory, QAnon shit. And then they'll talk to me and I'll say, what about this fact? What about this fact? And they'll say, I never heard anything about that. So you've got you've got people listening to some shit solely listening to that shit and have no idea what's really going on because they're not listening to facts that that is a big part of where the divide is here we're all informed differently and we believe based on what we hear that's exactly right we choose our source we're in our own little world our our, we live in separate realities now absolutely um, i mean you have the old folks watching fox you have you know people like you and me who have a variety of sources. Then you have the younger people who are off in the game world in some sort of virtual reality. <laughs> and yeah. uh, and uh, we're, we don't speak the same language anymore. Uh, I can't talk to people around here. They don't have the vocabulary I do. Um, right, right. Or the, And I don't mean that, that they're not intelligent. They are, but they speak a different language. 
Yeah. And, uh, and of course, you know, Fox and Q are real big here too. I'll bet. Well, you listen to Donald Trump and he, and honestly, his vocabulary, the way he speaks is much like that of a seventh, seventh grader or less, yes. because it's just so childlike. And apparently these people who speak on that same level or think on that same level, he, <laughs> he's the king of the idiots. He's the well, king of the dumb fucks. It, that, this is absolutely true. And the other thing is these people are so scared because they've seen uh, their livelihood disappearing. You see, when I was very young, there wasn't a lot of industry here and so forth. But as we got the, the electrical grid up and running and so forth, live industry came in from the north on its way to Mexico and then China. But it stopped here for a while. And if you wanted a decent job in a factory, you could probably get one. And that right. lasted through the guys I went to school with that didn't go on to college. But that's pretty much ended now. And uh, the growth industry around here is lawn mowing, believe it or not. <laughs> I bet there's 500 lawn mower companies because what else are they going to do? And well, they're scared. They can't afford houses. They live in campers. They live in rundown trailers. They don't know where their next meal's coming from. And now with the inflation going on, they're really scared. So they're looking for any demagogue they can find who will promise them to make things the way it was. Yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing that, that, that we've got uh, a Republican Party run by old white men. Our country has been run by old white men. It's my contention that the time of the old white man, whether it be Trump or Biden or whoever, has got to go. We've got Gen Xers uh, to a certain extent, millennials, Gen Zs and such. The future is really theirs. It's not yours and mine. Our futures are short term. They've got to be worried about what's coming up and they should have control over that. Well, the other thing I think, and I see some hope in this, and you you may disagree with me on this. I don't know. You probably won't because your wife will beat you up if you do. But she's not here. I I see uh, the possibility of a a woman centric culture uh, would be a great thing. I'm fine with that. Give them a chance to do that. the, The biggest two disappointments in my life. One was Hillary, Hillary Clinton wasn't elected president. And, uh, well, we'll just go with that one. Okay. Uh, uh, that Ronald Reagan being elected was the worst disappointment, but, uh, yeah. Hillary not being, uh, elected was a, a close second, but, uh, I don't know if you've noticed or not more women go to college and more women graduate than right. men. Eventually, it's not going to be Handmaid's Tale. It's going to be the women with their boy toys and everybody else is going to be a handyman. <laughs> so maybe that's a good thing. Listen, man, I'd be happy to be a handman boy toy. That's yeah. a good gig if you could get it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'm all for that. But well, uh, uh, they only they seem to be the only ones with sense. I mean, I, I sometimes I think testosterone weakens your brain. No question. You know, I I remember talking to my son about this. He had a propensity to lose his temper. And I see, I said, uh, son, you know, here's the deal. You're right at that tipping point where you still have more testosterone than you do intellect until you come to the point where your intelligence is bigger than your testosterone. You're still going to do stupid shit. And, and, you know, we all went through it when we were younger. We were going to fight and be tough guys and all that stuff. But at some point, it makes sense just to sit back and say, let's think about this. Let's figure out what we're going to do. And, and women, frankly, can do that a lot better than men. They do it all yeah, the time. The, yeah, they multitask. They, 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 from the time they're little, they learn how to do that. And, and that's another thing you can say about us boomers. We were smart enough to get out of the way of the women's movement. I mean, we didn't do it. They did it just the same way the minorities in this country uh, made civil rights happen. But we were smart enough to get out of the way and maybe lend a hand. Well, that's what I don't understand about the Republicans now. Everybody's saying they're going to win in the midterms. They're going to win. I have a hard time understanding how they're going to win if by doing this anti-abortion shit, they alienate 50% of this country. If by uh, 
doing this voter suppression and alienating people of color. And then you've got the LGBTQ people that they're alienating. And it's it's fucking ridiculous. How do you alienate all those people and hope against hope that you're going to win a fucking election? It, it doesn't make any sense. Well, this is why I keep harping on the corporate media. The, uh, you'll remember Marshall McLuhan said the medium is the message. Well, in this sense, it is. They, by saying the Republicans are going to win the midterms, they're, they're, they're trying to make it happen. Right, um, right. I, I don't believe that it will. I think there's going to be a big surprise and that the Democrats may actually add to their uh, uh, majority in the Senate and hold the House. We'll see. I do, too. I do, too. I, I think it might even be bigger than that. They'll expand. What they need to do is expand the uh, majority in the House, and they need to expand the Senate enough to make uh, Joe Manchin and Christian Cinema irrelevant. We need two more to do that. Two more I to do that. I think we can do that. I think yeah. we can do that. You know, and that's what I've said all along. At this point, if nobody's willing to pass anything with all the shit going on with the Republicans, the strategy for Democrats should be take the next eight months or whatever it is just to tear apart, tear down and destroy the Republican Party, then win in 2022 and then do whatever the fuck you want. Exactly. And, uh, you know, I'm sorry that Bill Back Better didn't pass. I blame Manchin and Cinema for that. Absolutely. Which, which is exactly right. And uh, we need to get rid of these stealth Republicans in the ranks. And uh, all we need is two more. We'll be <laughs> fine. But I'd rather it were 10 because I like a nice margin. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're going to wrap up the Rational Boomer po- uh, podcast. We're running out of time. Thanks, Ed, for joining us. And I think after doing this podcast, obviously, we're going to do a bunch more. I'm sure the folks that are listening are going to enjoy it because you bring some insights that I can't. And uh, that is that is uh, incredibly helpful. So I want to thank you for spending time with us on the Rational Boomer podcast. Um, oh, I had a ball, Mike. I'd love to do more. Well, we will be doing some more. So you have a great day. We'll see you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.